This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. Amen. Well, Happy New Year and good morning. It's great to see you today. I'm so thankful for those of you who are here. This is a great start to the new year that you're here. And those who are facing the cold in the pavilion, thank you for being here as well. And those watching online, uh, I really begin this year with a lot of encouragement and hope and optimism. I'm so thankful for the word that uh, the second best preacher in our family preached last week. My brother Stephen was here. And uh, if you did not hear that sermon, I went back, I heard it, and then I went back Friday night and listened to it again. Boy, I needed that encouragement to believe that there are better things for us this year. And I believe that. I believe for our church, for you, I'm praying for better things. Things And I believe God is going to do that. Now, I've gotten a question a good bit over the last few weeks. It's kind of serious, uh, kind of sarcastic, a little bit passive aggressive. It's, Pastor Josh, are we going to still be in the Psalms in the new year? And I will agree with you, 10 months in the Psalms is a long time. I too was ready to be done with the Psalms. I love them, but uh, so I want to say to you, the answer is no, we will not be in the Psalms this year, except for this morning. I'm sorry, I just have one more message from the Psalms I need to give you this morning. So turn your Bibles to Psalm 19, Psalm 19. Uh, let me tell you my plan, Lord willing. I did this last year too, and nothing I said mattered, but I'm making a plan for this year. I'm going to spend, starting next week, four weeks talking about enemies of the soul. As I talked with you last year and watched you last year and watched my own soul and tried to discern what was going on, I identified four enemies of the soul that I want us to deal with at the beginning of the year. Worldliness, idolatry, pride and bitterness. So in some ways, we're going to start the year a little bit heavy, but I believe that by doing that, we're going to end up the year a little bit lighter as we get rid of some of those things that I believe over last year were really affecting our souls. So we're going to talk about that, Lord willing, in January. Then, starting the second week of February, I'm going to begin the book of Hebrews. Uh, I prayed a lot about what it is I needed to preach this year. I think given where we were last year and what we want to see God do this year, Hebrews is the perfect place for us to be. So verse by verse, have no idea how long it's going to take us, but Lord willing, the second week of February, I'll begin Hebrews, which is a book that just pleads with us to hold on, to be faithful, to be encouraged, and to walk with the Lord until the very end. So looking forward to that. But this morning, I want to talk to you about why you need the Word of God every single day this year. Why you need the Word of God every single day this year. One of the lessons we were reminded of last year is that we cannot control what's going on around us. But I hope you were also reminded that you can control what's going on inside of you. You can't change what's happening around you, but you can change what's happening inside of you. We started this kind of pandemic experience the second week of March with a sermon from Psalm 46, which paints a picture of the entire world in absolute chaos. 
The mountains are crumbling into the sea. The oceans are raging. There's natural disasters. The kingdoms are raging. The nations are raging. So there's political disasters. But in the midst of all of that, it says there's a stream that makes glad the city of God. It paints a picture of chaos outside of us, but peace and joy, fearlessness inside of us. And that's what God wants to do in your heart. And the number one key to determining what's going on inside of you is what you do with this book. The number one factor in determining how well you're doing inside is how closely you're tied to this book. I am constantly amazed that the most basic and essential aspect of following Jesus Christ is also one of the most easily and often neglected with believers. This right here, every day in this book, is Christianity 101. You cannot trust the Lord, you cannot follow the Lord unless you're in his word consistently. And so this morning, for some of you, you're already doing this, but I am pleading with you to make this a greater priority than you ever have before. And I want to tell you why that's important from Psalm 19. So if you're there in Psalm 19, say amen. Listen to these words. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its sight. So that first six verses is telling us the way in which creation is declaring the glory of God. We walk outside and the beauty of everything that we see is pointing us to the Lord. It is speaking to us. But here's what I want to focus on in verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his heirs? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, there's multiple different ways in which the word of God is described. It is described as the law of the Lord the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord, all of this is a reference to the word of God. And then it says that the word of God is perfect, it is sure, it's certain, it's right, 
It's pure, it's clean, it's true, and it is more valuable than fine gold. So describing for us the word of God and telling us the value of the word of God, but what I want us to look at this morning is the benefits of the word of God. There are, in verses 7 through 11, six reasons why you need the word of God every day. Six reasons you need the word of God every day. Now, I told one of our staff members this morning that I hate sermons with six reasons. I do. I hate it. And when I'm sitting there and someone says, this sermon's going to have six reasons, I immediately think, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's too many things to say in a sermon. But I'm going to go through them quickly, and here's the reason I'm going to do it. Not only because every one of them are here, but because I believe some of these are going to motivate some of you, and some of these are going to motivate others of you. That what is happening here in Psalm 19 is the Lord is pleading with us to read the word of God by showing us what exactly the word can do for us. And all of us, I believe, will resonate with something we need right now that can be found in the word of God. Everything you need this year is found right here. Everything you need is found in the Lord, revealed to you in his word. So I want to encourage you to write these down. Six reasons you need to read the Bible every day. The first one is this. You need daily revival. You need daily revival. Look at what it says in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That is the exact same phrase used in Psalm 23.3, where it says the Lord restores my soul. It is a reminder that the most important part of us, which we're going to spend four weeks talking about starting next week, is what's inside of you. Everything is flowing from your soul. The condition of your soul is determining everything else in your life. And yet, because it's the unseen part of us, the most important part of us is the part that is often most neglected. That we spend so much time thinking about what's going on around us that we fail to stop and think about what is going on inside of us, the health of your soul determines everything else in your life. And our souls need to be constantly restored, constantly renewed, constantly revived. And as Psalm 23.3 tells us, that's what the word of God does. The Lord is in the business of reviving and restoring your soul. Now, here's the way I like to think about it. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, meaning you acknowledge your sin before God, you acknowledge that you cannot get to God or get to heaven on your own merit, you see Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as the payment for your sins, you give your life to him, you trust him, you receive new life through his resurrection, at that moment, God puts his spirit inside of your heart. And that spirit is like a flame that burns with desire and passion and love and affection for the Lord. And so if you have any desire for the Lord or love for the Lord, longing for the Lord, that's because the Spirit of God is inside of you. You don't have that in your flesh. The Spirit of God gives that to you. The Spirit of God wakes you up and gives you new life and gives you desire for the Lord. But listen, that fire that is put inside of us by the Spirit is constantly going out. What happens is the cares of the world, 
and the sin that is in our life and the difficulty of the world around us is constantly putting water on the fire that is in our heart. So just imagine building a a bonfire and you get it started and it's raging. If you neglect it, it's going to go out. But think even more than that. What if while you're building this fire, there's someone that's constantly pouring water on it to make it go out? Then it requires even more effort to keep it burning. So what I want to say to you is this, that the fire that is in your soul, put there by the Spirit of God, is going to go out if it's neglected. This is just what happens. Hebrews 2 says, be careful lest you drift away. But it's more than that because sin and the world and all the things around you are constantly putting water on the fire of your soul and the way in which you keep it kindled is the word of God. If you want any desire for God, affection for God, love for God, passion for God, it comes by fueling the fire that is in your heart from this book. This is the primary weapon that God has given us to keep your soul encouraged, to keep the fire and the passion for God burning bright. And listen to this. In those moments in which you feel the least like getting in this book is the moment you need this book the most. Because it is this book that's going to relight the fire of passion for God. So you're going to say, I don't feel like spending time with the Lord today. But as you spend time with him, what happens is it revives your soul. It ignites the fire and passion for God. Some of you, it's been a long time. If you're honest, it's been a long time since your soul has burned hot with a passion for God. And I believe it's either because there's sin present in your life or because you have neglected this word. You need the Bible every day because every day you need revival. The second reason is this. You not only need daily revival, you need daily wisdom. Look at this. It makes wise the simple. You need daily wisdom. Now, I would say one of our favorite verses as believers is often James 1, 5. And if you can't quote it, you will certainly know it. It says that the Lord gives wisdom to all those who ask him. If anyone lacks wisdom, let us ask of the Lord who gives generously and without reproach, and the Lord will give it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that verse prayed or quoted God said, if I need wisdom, he'll give it to me. Now, let me clarify a little bit how that works. God's ambition is not simply to give you wisdom, but to make you wise. Meaning, if you neglect the Lord all of the time, but then find yourself in a difficult moment in which you need wisdom, then you say, Lord, I I know I haven't spent any time in your word this year, but I need wisdom. It doesn't work that way. And here's the reason. Because Proverbs 26.7 says this. Like lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. You hear that? Like a lame man's legs who hang useless is like a proverb in the mouth of the fool. So if God were to give you a word of wisdom at a moment in which you have been walking like a simple-minded godless fool, that word of wisdom is not going to do you any good. It's like a lame man's legs. 
So here's the deal. You don't run to the Lord every time you need wisdom. You run to the Lord every day so that when you need wisdom, you've got it. Now, in these moments when we plead with the Lord, will he be gracious and give us wisdom? Yes. But we cannot expect to walk like a fool. And what I mean is this, walking outside of the way of the Lord. That's what a fool is. And then at that moment in which you need wisdom, run and say, Lord, I need wisdom. Help me. I got myself in a mess. I need your help. That's not the way God works. God wants to make you a wise person. And the way in which God makes you a wise person is cultivating wisdom in your heart through your knowledge and consistently consistency in the word of God. God wants to make you wise. And all of us are simple. All of us need wisdom. I just think about the amount of wisdom I needed last year. I would have never imagined the amount of wisdom I needed last year on navigating the church and family and school and everything else, all of the decisions. I had no idea the beginning of January last year, the amount of wisdom I needed. And the way in which God gives that wisdom is that he prepares us through consistent time in the word by giving us the wisdom we need at the moment we need it. So you need to open your Bible tomorrow morning knowing that God wants to give you wisdom that you're going to need down the road and you don't even know what's ahead, but you're going to need the wisdom. You need daily revival and you need daily wisdom. And so it is, it makes wise the simple. Let me give you the third reason. You not only need daily revival, you not only need daily wisdom, you need daily joy. You need daily joy. It says the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And what a wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise that the word of God rejoices our hearts. It brings joy to our hearts. We talked about this in December, three sermons on Psalms of joy. God cares about your joy. God wants you to have joy. You know why? Because when you have joy and you find it in the Lord, he gets the glory as the provider of joy. When you find yourself in a difficult moment or suffering and you have joy in that moment, God gets the glory because he's done something supernatural in your heart. God wants to be glorified by giving you joy. And as I tell you often from Philippians 1, as Paul says, I believe that I'm going to remain with you for your progress and joy in the faith. The verse that God's given me for you, your joy matters to me. I want you to experience the joy of the Lord. And so it is, it says, the word of God rejoices the heart. Isn't it amazing how fickle our hearts can be? It's amazing how often we get cold and irritable and heavy and despairing. It's remarkable to me how quickly we can change from being here to, to being here. One of the things I love about the Psalms is it shows us that we're not abnormal in that. Because David in one Psalm can be super happy and super depressed and super happy again. And I read him and I think, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. But the way in which the psalmist always fights for joy, and if you remember anything from last year, remember that the psalmist is fighting for joy in the times of greatest despair. He's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting, as he goes back and reminds himself of the promises of God, and his heart rejoices 
because he does not get his heart captured by what he sees, but by what he knows to be true. So in the midst of all of the ups and downs, it is the word of God which continues to bring us joy. And so we fight for joy. We fight by opening this book and saying, Lord, I'm downcast. This is what the psalmist does. My soul is down. I, I feel despair. I feel some darkness coming in. At the moment in which you feel that begin to come in, don't run away from this. Run to this and remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of the truth. Kindle the fire of passion and joy that comes from the word of God. You need joy every day. And the word of God rejoices the heart. You need daily revival, you need daily wisdom, you need daily joy. The next one is this, you need daily encouragement. You need daily encouragement. Look at this little phrase where it says that the word of God at the end of verse eight, enlightens the eyes, enlightens the eyes. Now that seemed to be a strange phrase to me, so I looked it up and tried to find any other time in which it's used in scripture. And it's used in the book of Ezra, chapter 9, verse 8. When the people of God are exiled in Babylon, and Ezra is talking to the people about how dark their days are and how difficult their situation is, yet in the midst of all of that, it says the Lord has enlightened your eyes. It is a phrase that means this. It means to bring hope or encouragement. So in the midst of heavy and difficult circumstances, this enlightening of the eye is a way to say that God brings hope and encouragement to your heart. Listen, you need a daily dose of hope. You need a daily dose of encouragement. You need to be reminded that God is good and the best is yet to come. And no matter what's happening in your life, God's promises are still certain and everything he has promised you will come true. You need that kind of hope and encouragement every single moment of the day. I've been amazed just as I've talked to people this year at the amount of hopelessness that I've experienced as I've talked to people. I don't know why it is. this, This year has done something to us in a lot of ways. Whether you realize it or not, it's just made us weary and it's made us discouraged. It's made us... In some ways, spiritually, I think, run a little bit slower. And what do we need in the moments in which that stuff begins to settle in? Well, we just need a good dose of encouragement. You know, that word encourage means to instill courage. That's what it means. So when you get discouraged, it means you've lost your courage. You've lost your fight. You've lost your hope. Encouragement puts it back. The word of God is instilling courage in you. The word of God is saying, hold on. Be faithful. Keep walking with me. The best is yet to come. I've got good things ahead for you. What the word of God does for us is what last week's sermon did for us to remind us that God does have greater things for you. God wants to do something new. He wants to do something fresh. He wants this year to be a great year for you and your family. God has good things. And every day you need something whispering in your ear, God's good. He's got good things for you. The best is yet to come. Hold on, be faithful. There's more, there's better. You need that in your ear every day. And the way you get it is from this book. This is God's book. 
to remind you every day that there is better things ahead. There is something good for you. I think about Psalm 3.3, which says, You, Lord, are a shield around me. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. I love that mental picture. Look at me here real quick. You are the lifter of my head. You know what it says? It says what the Lord does is that when our head is like this, the Lord puts his hand under our chin and he goes like this. He says, don't look down, look up. We do this, don't we? Even if not physically, we, we do it mentally and emotionally and spiritually. We kind of walk around like this. And the Lord, through the power of his word, takes his gentle, caring, tender hand and he lifts up our chin and he says, stop looking down, look up. There's good things for you. There's better things for you. The word gives us that kind of hope. You need daily encouragement. The fifth one is this. You need daily truth. You need daily truth. I get that from verse nine. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. Now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Psalm 33. The fact that we are bombarded more than ever uh, with constant news and facts and truth. I'm really not sure that there is a more consistent and aggressive enemy of your spiritual life more than your phone. And I'm, I'm saying that thoughtfully, like I'm thinking about this. My brother and I were talking about this this week that if you try to read your Bible with your phone, that's just a terrible idea. And the way in which it gets these alerts and pop-ups and how that's not just a glance or a moment. It leads us down a path of something else. We are being constantly bombarded with facts and it's filling our minds with all kinds of things. I mean, I walked in, this is the honest truth. I walked into my two youngest daughters' bedroom about a week ago to put them to bed. They're 10 and 8. And as I walked in, they were talking about Ossoff and Warnock and debating who was the good guys and who was the bad guys and quoting the advertisements. And we don't watch that much TV. But you can't, you can't be alive in Georgia without knowing these names. I mean, literally, if you try to ignore, you can't. It's everywhere. Now think about this. Are you putting any truth in your mind that is strong enough to, to combat all of the other stuff that is going in your mind? How about less news and more word in 2021? How about less time with the TV, less time with the phone, less time with politics, and more time in the word of God? Every moment of the day, you're getting news and information poured into your mind. And I absolutely believe most of the fear and anxiety and timidity that is in your heart right now is because you're spending less time in this and more time watching the news. You need truth. You need to know what is right. And this says right here, the word of God is true. It is righteous. What does that mean? It is right. It is perfect. All together, you need the truth of God's word every single day. The last one is this. You not only need daily revival and daily wisdom and daily joy and daily encouragement and daily truth. Listen to this one. You need daily warnings. You need daily warnings. 
Look at this. Fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. They are more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now look at verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Like who, who can really figure out what's going on in their souls? Who knows the sin and the difficulty in their souls? And then he says this, Lord, would you declare me innocent from hidden faults? Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Listen carefully. There is a humility of the psalmist in Psalm 19. Because he is aware, not only that there are countless numbers of hidden faults inside of his heart, but a countless number of pitfalls ahead of him that he could fall into. My brother and I were talking last week about all of the preachers that fell in 2020. The alarming number of preachers that took their life in 2020, staggering. February, March, April, May. I told my brother, you know, the reality is, if you wanna be a hero of the faith in my generation, you just gotta stay faithful to the end without messing up. Because it's rare. And I think the problem is, is that we don't realize 1 Peter 5, 8, that there is an enemy who's seeking someone to devour. He wants to take you down. So know this right now. Listen to me. Men, listen to me. Women, listen to me. Students, there is an enemy that has plans to take you down this year. He's seeking someone to devour. He's looking for someone that is a little bit vulnerable, that's a little bit distant from this word, and he has plans to take you down and ruin your life. And you know this, in one moment, you can lose everything. In one moment, with one bad decision, with one walk off of the narrow way, you can lose your family, you can lose your job, you can lose your reputation, you can lose your eternity. And you know what we need? We need some warnings. We need some signs that say, pitfall ahead, devil around the corner. And what the word of God does is it's daily warnings to say to you every day, listen, be aware, the enemy's right around the corner. He wants to take you down. It's eight o'clock, know this. At nine o'clock, you're gonna see something that's gonna lead you mentally down the wrong path. You're gonna have a conversation that's gonna lead you to a temptation and what the word of God does is every day it just gives us these gentle warnings to keep you from making a fool of yourself and your family and ruining your life. You have no idea what's ahead of you this year. And you know what? Praise God he doesn't tell you. Can you imagine how overwhelmingly terrible it would be if God just laid out for you everything that is coming this year? You don't need to know. What you do know is you know that in this word, God will prepare you every day for what faces you that day. Yesterday's reading doesn't get you through today. Today's reading doesn't get you through tomorrow. You wake up every day, you get the wisdom, you get the joy, you get the encouragement, you get the truth, you get the warning sufficient for that day. And this is why in verse 11 it says this, in keeping the word, there is great reward. 
so there's this, this contrast between how you can shipwreck your entire life, literally, lose everything. And then on the other hand, there's God, listen, there's God saying, do you see this? It's been sitting on your shelf. It's been sitting in the back of your car since last Sunday. Do you see this? There's so much reward here for you. There's so much encouragement, so much help, so much joy, so much protection, and it's all here. You just have to go get it. What a wonderful gift God has given us in giving us his word. And there's nothing that can take the place. Nothing. Everything you need is found here. As we close, I want to just practically tell you some helpful tips on, on how you can make this a reality this year. Starting right day, how you can make this a reality to stay committed to this word. First, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan to read the Bible. This stuff where you wake up in the morning and kind of do this, that doesn't work. You gotta have a plan. We have available for you this morning two Bible reading plans. One goes through the whole Bible. It doesn't do every chapter, but it does go Genesis to Revelation. Another one is the New Testament in a year, one chapter a day. The other one's about two chapters a day. Even the two, two chapters a day, 15 minutes. At the 15 minutes. I mean, can you not invest 15 minutes in your spiritual life next year? But I'm telling you, if you don't have a plan, and I, we're not trying to be legalistic on a checklist, I just know from a lot of years of trying to read the Bible, you don't have a plan, you're not gonna make it. You're gonna be really good for about two weeks. You gotta have a plan. We have these available for you. The next thing is you, you, need, a, you need a pen. Now listen to me. I'm gonna be done here in just a minute. You need a pen. Here's why I'm saying this, is because I, t I tell you this every year, my uncle Bill Ellis taught me when you read the Bible with a pen in your hand, it's an act of faith. You're saying, God, I'm ready for you to tell me something. I absolutely believe this. I believe you need to be ready when you open your Bible for God to speak. This has made more difference in my life than any other discipline. Every morning, getting up, getting in this, phone down. Matter of fact, probably phone not even in the vicinity. And definitely not reading your Bible on your phone. Physical copy of God's word, paper, physical copy in your hand, phone in another room, a pen in your hand. God, I'm ready. Tell me something. I need something today. What, do you have a warning for me, Lord? You got, a, you got some joy for me. You got a promise for me. You, can you tell me something about yourself today that I've never seen before that'll fire me up? God, I'm ready. Here you go. Give it to me. You need a plan. You need a pen and you need prayer. You need to wake up, open your Bible and say, Lord, give me something today. Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things from your word. Reading the Bible is a supernatural endeavor. Only God can reveal himself to you. So God, I'm ready. I've got this, I've got this, I'm ready. Give me something today. And I really believe that what God wants to do for you this morning is set that trajectory of your life. He wants you to make a commitment today to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to read the Bible. Next Sunday, 
I'm going to be giving you a little prayer guide for 21 days. We are going to do what we've done the last two years. This will be the third year. We're going to start next Monday, not a week from tomorrow, a 21-day fast. Not all of you have to fast for 21 days, but 21 days of concerted prayer, Bible reading. And the reason you fast is to feast. It's not going without food. It's going without food so you can spend that time feasting on the word of God. What you're saying is you're saying, I believe what God has to say here in his word is more satisfying than any physical food I could have. And so we're going to start the year as a church together, committed to reading the word, praying, fasting, spending the next four weeks thinking about these enemies of our soul, evaluating ourselves. So Lord willing, we'll get to the end of January. We'll be lighter on our feet, free from a lot of junk and ready for better things next year. And I can't wait to go through that journey with you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.